Welcome to the Bethel Podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to spend time in God's Word. We hope that today's message blesses you and lifts you. If you'll take your Bible this morning, go to 2 Kings. 2 Kings is right after 1 Samuel. 2 Kings is after 1 Kings. But I want to tell you a story that, uh, from the Bible. And I want to talk to you about how the topic of today's talk is called suddenly. And how sometimes God just suddenly steps into your life. I know lots of times people say we just give God time, you know, a chance and he'll show up eventually. And there are times that God shows up eventually. But there's times God shows up so suddenly it almost makes your head spin. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? I mean, I'm talking about when you pray it and just, just as soon as you got done saying amen, you're looking at the answer right there in front of you. There's times where God just shows up and you just can't believe it. And it does it in such a way that it's almost like you're almost about to talk yourself out of it and say, there's no way he could have done it that fast. But there are times that God moves and works suddenly. In 2 Kings chapter 7, let me tell you the story of what's happening is that the children of Israel have gotten away from God. And Samaria is the town that has the, God has allowed the enemy to come and surround uh, Samaria uh, with the Syrians. And it's got, things have gotten so bad that the, the, the food supply gets cut off and the inflation goes through the roof. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yep. To the point that a donkey's head, which I'm not sure what they taste like, but a donkey's head is running 80 shekels, which is to probably, let's say, $80. And so it's, it's about the only thing they're eating. They're, they're selling doves dung. They're selling poo for people to eat because things have gotten so bad. In this particular story, in chapter 7, right before this, a woman had made a deal with another woman in town. She said, let's boil your child and eat him. And then after we eat him, we'll boil my child. And the woman that whose other child was boiled first, when it came time to boil the other child, the mother hit her child. She went to the king, and the king was so distraught by what was happening. So distraught that he read his clothes. And, and he said these words. He said, look, the prophet Elisha, he's going to be dead by tomorrow. And it's ironic to me that lots of times when things go bad, the first person that we sometimes blame is God. Come on, sometimes you see that in the world. The first person that gets blamed for the problems that happen, the trials that happen, the trouble that happen is God. I used to play, I used to play athletics, and when I lose a game, it's ironic, I'd get done, and I'd start talking to God and blame him because I lost. And God was kind of like, God was kind of like, I wasn't the one who missed. <laughs> so this is where chapter 7 begins. And let's read the story together. Begin in verse number one. So Elisha said. To the king, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour, about two gallons of flour will be sold for one shekel, two seas of barley, four gallons of barley will be sold for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. On Tuesday, a donkey's head is 80 shekels. And Elisha's saying, tomorrow at this time, there's going to be, there's going to be flour and barley sold for next to nothing. So verse 2, so an officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And he said, In fact, if you shall see it with your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, Why are we sitting here until we die? If we say we'll enter the city, the famine is in the city and we'll die there. If we sit here, we'll die also. 
Now therefore, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they keep us, we shall only die. They rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the camp, to their surprise, no one was there. They walked down the, down the road just to Herod to the camp of the enemies who surrounded Samaria, and there wasn't a soul there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said one to another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to attack us. They, they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled and their lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you that you work suddenly. And there are those that are here today, God, that you've been working throughout their life. And God, they're on the brink of a suddenly. And I pray today this will get down on the inside of them. I pray that they'll realize, God, understand that you're the God of tomorrow, but that you're also the God of today. So thank you for the precious anointing to just present this word as you desire to be presented with clarity, with anointing, with power. Let it go into the heart of each hearer. God, let us all be transformed. By the wonder of your word. We ask you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. So as you see this, as we look at this particular text, we realize that there's a big change that just took place in one day. God's told, God's told through the, the prophet Elisha, look, this time tomorrow, I know things are bad right now, but this time tomorrow, things are going to begin to change. And I want you to know this, that sometimes God works on that kind of timetable. Sometimes it's one of the frustrating things about serving God, is we always feel like God's trying to teach us patience. How many like that word, patience? Okay, just from your lack of response, I'll say that's none of us. I had a lady one time, I said I was going to preach on patience. As a matter of fact, two ladies in the church at the exact same time stood up and yelled, No! They didn't want me to teach on that because nobody likes to wait. But there are times that God makes us wait, and then there are times where God shows up suddenly. There are times when we wait for that job, and the one that we've been praying for, and then all of a sudden, oh, just like that, it just seems to show up. There's those times where it feels like we're always sick, we're never going to get better, and all of a sudden, one day, we just wake up and go, I feel better today. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's times where it seems like the, the journey, the road we've been going down is long and hard, and one day, God just shows up suddenly. God's about to do that for these, this, for our friends here in, uh, in Israel. They've been waiting for a long time. Famine has set in. Things are really getting dire. And then the man of God comes on the, on the scene and says, look, tomorrow things are going to change. Can I say this? And I hope it doesn't seem like I'm trying to make this personal to me. But can I tell you, thank God for a man of God. Thank God for a woman of God. Thank God for somebody who will stand up and hear what the Lord has to say and tell somebody about it. Thank God for those that, that went on before us, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Peter and Paul that, that wrote the words of God, that went and preached the word of God, and it was a voice box of God to all the people in their day. Thank God for those people who are on television today, those who are on radio, those who are in pulpits across America, those who teach Sunday school, those that are back in that little bitty bitty room back there taking care of the nursery. Thank God of people who stand up and declare the word of God to the people of this world. Thank God for it. Thank God for the people that, that not just people that, that teach or preach, but those that have a voice for God, they speak their body. Thank God for godly mothers. Come on, somebody. Thank God for daddies that know how to pray. Thank God for grandmas who know how to get a hold of God and grandpas who drive babies to church. Thank God for those who just speak the word of God. Can I tell you why I'm here today? 
One of the reasons I'm here today is because there was a little old lady. She has as was a Baptist missionary Baptist lady. And she was a friend, and her, her her son and I were friends for years. And one day I was 18 years old, and she had a store, a shop, and I was in her store this particular day. And we got to talking, and she said, maybe one day you'll be a preacher. And I, to my response to her was, maybe one day I won't. Because <laughs> that wasn't part of my plan. My plan didn't have pastor, preacher, anything in the, in the, in the midst of it. But she just, and something about that, in all the years later, it still stuck with me. Maybe you'll be a preacher. But I believe that was the voice of God speaking through that friend that I really respected, his mother. And thank God for those people who stand and speak the word of God. Because my friend, the only hope for the word today, the world today is the word of God. Yes. The Democrats aren't going to solve your problems. No. And the Republicans aren't going to solve your problems. All the money in the world combined is not going to solve our problems. But the word of God will solve the problems that humanity faces today. I don't know what your problem is today, but I do know this. The Bible has an answer. The word of God has an answer. And I thank God for this word of God, and I thank God for those who speak it. Same thing happened here. So my first point today, if you're taking notes, is listen to that guy. Listen to that guy who preaches the word of God. Pay attention to him. Because the, thing, the things he said, the words he spoke from God, can I tell you, they're going to transform the, 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 the day of these people tomorrow, and it's going to be suddenly. And then it says this, it says, An officer on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And Elisha said, In fact, you're going to see it, but you're not going to experience it. Now, I'm thinking that's just a little bit harsh. A guy just has, just, you know, probably has a question. Look, there's ain't no way it's going to happen. I mean, there's no possible way it's going to happen. Even if there were windows or doors in heaven, and God was to pour all the resources out of heaven, uh, 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 resources out of heaven from those doors and those windows, it still couldn't meet the need. See, the problem is, is that God really takes unbelief seriously. God really takes it when somebody, as a matter of fact, the text here, it's almost like he was mocking and scoffing at the promise of God. It's not just that he thought, well, you know, that would be hard to do, but he's actually mocking that particular thing. I want to say this, to, to, to not just to listen to the guy, <clears throat> the, the preacher guy, but don't listen to the guy who's mocking and scoffing. In this world today, you get on the internet, and there's a thousand people who are mocking and scoffing the Word of God. There are a thousand people who are mocking and scoffing the pastor, the, 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 the teacher, the Christian. Matter of fact, in today's circles, in some parts of the world, you just say the name Christian, and people can immediately begin to begin to crack jokes. Because when you scoff at the things of God, the Bible tells us, it says in the last days that scoffers will come saying, where is the return of the Lord? There will be those that are not just going to say that the Lord's not going to come in, they're going to make fun of it. There's a man that first church with pastor. He, uh, his wife served the Lord very faithfully. And he was so, not just didn't go to church. He was against God, if that makes sense to you. His son had just come to God, but he would not darken the doors of the church for anything. With the things of God, he just laughed at. And one day he said this. He said, uh, his son told me, he said, yeah, daddy said it like this. He said, look, they've been saying as long as I've been alive, Jesus is coming back. He said, I don't know how old he was at the time, seven years old. He said, I'm seven years old, and he still hadn't come back. 
I tell you what, I'd be very, very careful saying something like that to God. I had the privilege about a year later of leading to Christ. The same, the same man. The one who said he's not coming back. I watched as I sat at the table as he had the diagnosis of cancer from the doctor. And I watched as tears came down his eyes as he confessed Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Let me tell you, I want you to tell you something. There are scoffers in this world, but there are still people of God who love the Lord. There are still people of God who serve the Lord. There are still preachers all across this nation who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are still people who live by the word of God, who walk the word of God. And no matter what the scoffers of the world might say, Jesus is still coming back. I help you out. Now, here's the part of the story that's interesting. It says there were four lepers in the day. Now, you know lepers were those that had a skin condition that considered them to be unclean. Unclean the fact that they could not actually go into the city. They had to stay in a camp outside the city. Now, these lepers were in a precarious position because in the city there was a famine. And on the outside of the city there was an enemy. So they were kind of right in between. And so as they're, they're sitting there having this particular, having a conversation among themselves, they say, look, we need to make a decision here. We can go in the city where we're not supposed to go, but if we go in there, we're going to die. No food. We can stay right where we're at. We can stay here too, but if we stay here, we're probably going to die too. Let's go to the camp of the enemy. And even if we go there and they don't accept us, we're going to die, but we're going to be better off because we're going to die no matter what. So this line of thinking gets them to go into the camp of the Syrians. Now as they go into the camp of the Syrians, something happens in between those two times. Suddenly, God stepped in and just did a little something. God just tweaked something, just real, real, real slightly. Anybody ever had God just do a little something, tweak something a little suddenly? Yeah. Anytime God just, all of a sudden, there was a little something extra in your paycheck that you weren't experiencing. Yeah. I'm expecting Sometimes you just also woke up one day and you go, oh, I feel a little bit better today. Sometimes you woke up and got a phone call and that child called and said, look, I'm coming to church today. Yes. Something, God just tweaked something, changed something just so small, so insignificant, but it made all the difference in the world. That's all God did right here. The Bible says this, that in the meantime, that he had made the sound of chariots. Now, I'm not sure what the sound of chariots, how he did that, if it was a wind if it was actually, I don't know if he maybe sent an angel or something like that to say it, but it said that there was just a sound of chariots. And all the enemy was there. And all the enemy was there thought that the, that the Israelites had hired these, these raiders and hoarders to come and attack them, and they got scared, and they left everything, all their stuff right there, and took off running. So what happens? So the lepers go into this particular community, this particular camp, and they realize that everybody is gone. And so what do they do? They get something to eat. They find clothes. They take clothes. They find money. They go and hide it. They come back. And they also they realize that there's nobody there. But then something begins to happen. They begin to realize something. They begin to realize that here we have all this abundance. And our brothers and sisters are over there. And they don't have anything. Listen to me. These were lepers who understood what it was like to be on the outside. These are le lepers that had realized what it had been like. Their disability had been something that controlled them. 
And they understood what the people inside were doing at that particular moment. See, sometimes we think the bad things that happen to us in life, we think that God doesn't have a purpose or a plan for that. My friends, sometimes the things that have happened in your life are not a roadblock of your life. They're a springboard to what God wants you to do. Don't ever think that God hadn't done something. It's, it's, it's just kind of faltered. When, when you were being hurt or life was, was, was too hard for you or finances was overwhelming you or, or that loved one left or that loved one died, don't ever think that God was just off, to, off somewhere and just forgot about you. He had a plan that was going to work down the road. He was going to make a suddenly happen for somebody. It says this. That they go back and they want to tell the king. Of course, they can't go into the camp, so they go in and tell the, uh, the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper goes and tells the king. And what do you think the king said? All right, we're saved. The prophet was right. This is wonderful. This is great. Go call everybody and tell them to get up and straighten a single file. We're going to go in and eat. The king says this. This is a trick. See, the thing is, is sometimes when God shows up suddenly, some people can't handle it. See, sometimes God does things in your life and my life, and the people around us, they, they, don't, they don't give God the credit for it. They don't, they, don't, they don't recognize that that was the hand of God. See, you've got a job that paid $15 an hour, and you lost that one. Then you got one that paid $21 an hour. There are those that are not going to give God the credit. But there are times you just go ahead and stand strong, stand strong and say, I know that God has redeemed me and God has delivered me. Because when I lost that job, I went and prayed. And when I prayed, God opened the door for me, and I'm going to give you credit. Come on, give God the credit for all the victories he wins in your life. Come on, give him the victories in your life. Come on, give him the Come on, give him the praise for I think when we get to heaven, this will be a, this will be a moment where we're going to see every single thing that God did. And we're going to be blown away. Every single time. I got to teach him one time in church about healing. And there was a, uh, a little lady, an older lady in church, and, and it got to talking about there's a difference between a healing and a miracle. Healing sometimes is progressive. Miracle is instantaneous. You might know what I'm talking about. Sometimes God just shows up out of nowhere. It's a miracle. Sometimes it just over the course of time, he just begins a healing. And this lady, she kind of caught the revelation of this, and she said, you know what? I've probably been healed more times than I can ever count. God's probably touched me more times than I could ever imagine. And I think that's true. Because I think there's times when we, there's times when if we really realized every single time that God showed up, I think we'd be blown away. I think that's what's happening to Brother Robert Hoover right now. And Ed Altus and those that went on before us, Brother Tim and those that went on before us, I think they're in heaven right now. And God's single hand they showed every single time that he was faithful to them, they didn't even recognize him. Go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for all the good things now, can I just talk for just a moment about unbelief? Because of all the, let me say it like this, of all the pandemics that we face, of all the plagues that we're up against, of all the tough things that we um, have to endure, of all those, unbelief is the greatest of all of them. You know what gets a person in a person in heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You know what causes a person to not go to heaven? 
unbelief. Jesus said it like this. There was a time he, he was he was the Bible says he was upbraiding. In other words, he was kind of giving a, a, a kind of giving a, a an accusation against cities that he had been in. Because there were cities that Jesus had gone in that, that they had that miracles had been done. But the people never repented. And he begins to list different cities, Chorazin and, and Bethsaida. There were cities that he had gone in and, and done great miracles, but the, the city, the people in the city didn't repent, they didn't change their ways. And so he begins to tell them, woe unto you. Woe unto you, Bethsaida. Woe unto you, Chorazin. He says, the things that have been done in your city have been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they were repented. And so the thing is, he was telling them that, that unbelief was the plague of the city. Unbelief was the thing that caused the city to really face the wrath of God. Unbelief is the greatest, matter of fact, of all the things that I pray for, of all the things that you pray for, pray that God help me to believe in you. Say that again. God help me to believe in you. That's this whole thing in a nutshell. Be a believer in Jesus Christ. To believe that he's a savior. To believe that he's a healer. To believe that he's a baptizer. To believe that he's a deliverer. To believe that he's a provider. And he believes that he has whatever you have need of. He is the answer. Nobody can talk you out of it. Nobody can change your mind. Nobody can kind of have a fancy argument to, to, to try to get you off your, off your game. Because I believe that Jesus Christ is the answer to the problems that this world faces. Listen, honey, that's the thing. The only hope for this world is Jesus. I don't know how long you've been alive, but I've been alive, I've been alive one years. And the one thing that I realized after that many years is that the only hope for the world is Jesus Christ. Religion can't save us. The road we're down, religion can't do the job. All you can shake all the money in the world at is, and that can't help us. The right people in the right office can't help us, though we still pray for those people. But one thing I want you to know, the hope of the world is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Curtis said the best. He said, you know, some say that socialism will give a man a new suit. Some say capitalism will give a man a new suit. But I'm saying this, you've got to change the man in the suit before you're ever going to do any good in this world. A man has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ as the greatest asset to a family, to a community, and to the nations. So we see here he goes to the king. And the king just really can't believe it. Can't really understand it. He makes all these plans. And then all of a sudden he realizes what's happening. The people get a hold of it. And they, as I would too, they begin to bull rush the, the, the enemy camp. So much so that the man who had doubted God got trampled in the, in the crowd, in the, in the, in the, in the uh, commotion. And so I'm just sitting here thinking about the people, the godly people that were sitting in that in, in the city. Because you know that after a while that the word had kind of gotten around what Elisha had said. And you know the word had gotten out. Hey, listen, they're saying that by tomorrow, two gallons of flour is going to be on one shelf. Four gallons of barley is going to be one shepherd. I mean, we're just going to be overflowing. You know, the people, there were people that were talking about it. There were people that were doubting that. People were talking. There's no way that could happen. And they're trying to figure out how it happened. Do you know why the problem with unbelief is? Is sometimes we try to figure out on our own and not realize that God's got it under control. Yes. See, the reason unbelief is such, such, so tricky 
sometimes is when we try to take our limited mind and figure the problem out, and we don't compare that to how great the resources of God are. Listen, honey, some of these things you can't figure out. Some things you can't figure out. If you're married and you're trying to figure out your wife, you just can't do it. If you're married and you're trying to figure out your husband, you just can't do it. There's some things that you just can't figure out. But do you, can I tell you this? That the one thing that we understand is we look... I'm going to try this. Abraham, just like he'd done every time before, got up, 
and went in faith to obey God's word. I keep thinking, I'm not sure that I would do that. I'm not sure that I would willingly offer my own son because somebody told me to do it. After that person had given me that son to take him away. As I got to thinking about that, I said, that, that's the life that you and I live. Trusting and obeying as God says it, all he's asking us is to do it. Just knowing this, that as God says it, our response is, yes, Lord, we'll do it. You say, well, what does God ask us to do? There's a whole book of promises right here that God asks us to do. But the beauty of it is, is he has a way of speaking to your heart to let you to know what your next step is. And I want you to know this, sometimes, suddenly, it'll show up. Can you imagine the conversation at the coffee shop the next day? Can you imagine the, 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 the rumor mill that was, was being stirred around and all of a sudden what happens? People begin to say, you're not going to believe it. What happens if they can tell their friends in other parts of the country about how God had done something so miraculous? What happens if the families, the generations after the fact? Oh, all the generations. I guarantee that story was told at the dinner table lots of Thanksgivings and after it happened. I bet the generations, grandma told that story, and grandson told that story, and great-grandson. It went down through all the generations, didn't it, about what God had done. See, here's why God asked you and I to live, live in faith, and to trust in people we don't understand. Because there's some people that have not been born yet that are going to hear that story. There's some people down the road that are going to look back and see the faithfulness that God had before me and you. There's some stories that are going to be told now in your life to the generations that come behind us, and it's going to build their faith. It's going to help them to hold on. That story, I told you I had one more story. No, no, I, I got one more story. Every preacher gets three. That's my second one. If, you, if I had a grandfather, and uh, he was not the most religious man in the world, And as I, uh, he came to Christ when he was in his 70s. And he was one of those that was a, it was a, it was a doctor during the Depression. And when I say that, I mean during the Depression. Depression, it was $2 for an office visit, $3 for a house call. He said, but nobody had any money, so really, you just kind of got what you got. And he says this, he was talking about, because he grew up poor, didn't, didn't really have, I mean, just... Didn't really have much of anything, but he felt like God had called him to be a doctor, kind of a country doctor. And he says this, he had gone to take a rail car to St. Louis to, 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 to uh, medical school because he didn't have any other way to get there. He had to stay, stay in Presbyterian Church for his board, worked in the, in the school for his tuition. And about the first six months he was there, he got to feel really bad. You know, things just weren't going. He was away from home, you know, just struggling to make ends meet. He had a pair of shoes on, and he could see his big toe out of his shoes, and he was walking down the streets of St. Louis and told God, God, I can't even have a proper pair of shoes to wear. What kind of doctor are you trying to make? He said it wasn't a prayer, it was more of a complaint than anything. And he was walking down the street, and said the snow was a white envelope over on the sidewalk. So just as soon as he had had this little conversation with God, he walked over to the white envelope. And that day, a brand new pair of shoes, a good pair of shoes, was $15. 
He said he walked over to that envelope, opened it up, and inside was a $10 bill and a brand crisp $5 bill, $15. And he said this. He said, I knew at that moment God was going to provide for me to be a doctor. When he told me that story, he was in his hundreds. Hundreds. He was 105 when he died. The only time I ever saw my granddad cry, a tear came out of his eye when he was telling that story. Because he knew that his God was faithful. And so I tell that story, I'm his grandson. And I tell that story to my children. And I guarantee you at some point they'll tell that story to their children about how faithful and how good God is. So whatever you're facing today, you've got to go through it. You've got to wait for that suddenly. Because there's people that are down the road that are going to tell that story and it's going to build their faith. It's going to keep them going through a, the tough times of life. It's going to keep them going through sickness and trials and tribulations. But you've got to go through it today. But if you'll just hold on, can I tell you, friend, there's a suddenly that's coming on the way. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it challenges you to dig deeper into the Word of God and grows your faith. If you would like to reach out to us, please visit our website at www.mybethel.net. Thank you.